Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Can you show me, because we're going to use some hermeneutics, can you show me anywhere in the Old Testament where that word perpetual is not perpetual? Because, yes, again, I understand you're appealing. Again, sure. Again, no, 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 hold, hold on. Hold on. God's I, laws, where any of God's you, you, laws. Hold on, have, hold on. Wait a minute. I thought I was going to get to have a talk you, here. You, hang on you second, asked hang a question. Second. Hang on a second, sir. Be quiet now. Okay. Hang on a second. Now, well, there you go. It's not, I will mute you because it's not your show. You asked the question. I'm going to give you the answer. Genesis 6-4, the word olam is used referring to those who were of old. Deuteronomy, I'll get, just rattle off all the ones where it's used not referring to perpetual. Genesis 6-4, Deuteronomy 32-7, Joshua 24-2, uh, 1 Samuel 27-8, Job 22-15, Psalm 24-7-24-9-25-6-41-13-77-9-90-verse-2-103-verse-17-106-48-119-52-143-verse-3-verse-3-verse-3-verse-3-verse-3-verse-3-verse-3-verse-3-verse-3-verse-3-verse-3-ver
try to teach apologetics, teach folks how to do apologetics. And this is going to be an episode, I think, at least with what I have planned. We'll see how many people come in and ask questions. But I think that we're going to do some things here that will be extremely helpful and uh, in training people to identify and spot some techniques. And then I got a couple other plans. But I want to add a new segment to teach you guys a little bit of logic and different fallacies, things like that, how to spot some things that you may see on the street. So let me bring in, I mentioned Dr. Silvestro, you're, you look like you're packing up there. Where, where, where are you going tomorrow? Uh, well, the same place you are tomorrow. <laughs> so we're, uh, we're heading out to Illinois, and we're going to teach the uh, Biblical Hermeneutics Seminar between Friday and Saturday, and then preach on Sunday. Yeah, so we're, we'll be out at, uh, in, um, it's Hardinville, Hardinville Christian Church. Yep. So if you're in Hardinville, Indiana, and want to come check it out, um, you can... Uh, it's Hardinville Christian Church is the name of the church. Just uh, It's Friday night, uh, 5 to 9, and Saturday night, 5 to 9. Uh, then Anthony will be teaching the Sunday school, and I'll be doing some preaching in the morning service on Sunday. So uh, so he's packing up, unlike me, who's already packed up. He, some of us plan ahead, right, Pastor Justin? Some do. Yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me add that blah 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 blah. I just figured I'd give you a lead in. <laughs> so, so Justin, you're going to help me with this one. Go ahead. I want to uh, I want to illustrate a a logical fallacy. Okay. Which and one? so, <clears throat> I, well, if I tell you which fallacy, then you might know what I'm doing. So, <laughs> okay, go we're gonna we're gonna do a little experiment here. Uh, okay. But I'm gonna make the claim that I know for a fact your name is Steve and you were born in Italy in 1915. Now your job, Steve, is to prove that you're really Justin Pierce and that you weren't born in Italy, but in America and you weren't born in 1915 if you're up to this challenge. So Steve, go ahead. How would you prove that you're not Steve from Italy in ni- from 1915? Hmm. Um, my birth certificate. Your birth certificate. And what does that state? Uh, that I was born. When? 1973. No, see, that's a forgery. I mean, even Barack Obama had a fake one of those. A driver's license? Dude, I had fake driver's IDs when I was 18. Okay? You can get okay. those at, on eBay nowadays. Um, how, hopefully they're going to vaccine ones here real soon. <laughs> I've got yeah. an idea. How about my high school yearbook? What's that going to show? Um, a picture that, that you photoshopped? That I had a lot of fun in high school. <laughs> so so you're seeing that no matter what argument, whatever, whatever kind of evidence Pastor Justin gives, I can make an excuse. Now, this is something you're going to see very often when evangelizing or, or doing apologetics. It is called confirmation bias. In other words, I start with the conclusion that... His name is Steve, born in Italy in 19, uh, 1915, and no matter what he says, I will find a way to ignore his evidence and only accept the evidence that I like. So I, what I'm doing is I'm going to find a way around it. It's a, a technique that you'd end up seeing people do where what they're going to do is keep searching until they can find a way of explaining things. Now, by the way, you'll get this with, like, every cult does this, okay? Every single cult will do this. And what they do is they will end up um, stating that, you know, they'll have a way of explaining all the problems that you point out. 
And so you sit there with people going, why don't they see this? Well, they don't see it because they're suffering from confirmation bias. Yes. All right. So that is a new segment we're going to try to do. We're going to take a different, different uh, thing every once in a while and try to either illustrate it or explain it. So Justin, you just put up a thing on the on screen about reviews. So thank you for that reminder, because we did get a new review this week. Uh, and we do appreciate, actually, we, do we get to, no, I think TZC Phil was from last week. So um, we got a five-star review from Deadpool Wilson. I don't, I don't know if he's dead in a pool or what, <laughs> but Deadpool Wilson um, says, spot on podcast. I just came across this podcast and have to say it is spot on. I do have two questions. The episode with both Justins talking about Paula White and Kenneth Copeland. I've always heard about people who repent, uh, repeat things over and over are casting some kind of spell of sorts. Do you think they are invoking something or doing do in doing this? Also, when someone calls themselves a quote prophet unquote, they are uh, they are wrong because Jesus Christ was the last prophet. Thank you for your ministry. If you could guide me in the right direction on this, it would be greatly appreciated. Wish I could give you more stars. Sincerely, Jason from Luxembourg, Pennsylvania, my home state oh, now, nice. by the way. So, Thank you very much. I wasn't sure with the second one. He had to, a question mark after it, but it wasn't really a question. It was more a statement that people that... <laughs> say their prophets are wrong. Uh, I would agree they're wrong. <laughs> so what would uh, Prophet Anthony say about that? <laughs> oh, <laughs> smack you. Um, so let's, uh, and you do have up on the screen, if you want to leave us a review, just go to lovethepodcast.com slash apologetics live. And the A and L and apologetics live are capitalized. Don't know if it matters. I should try seeing if it if I can get to it without. Uh, so to the first question he asked about Paula White and Kenneth Copeland when they were last week we were doing this thing where they kept repeating words. Uh, in Kenneth Copeland's case, um, I, I just think, and, and I know Justin Peters agrees that he just seems demon possessed. I think he is too. I, I don't know that he's trying to bring about a, a curse or anything, but it, it's. Um, I think that he just seems to be. Um, I think that he seems to be where he can't even think about what he's going to say next. And he, if you watch him long enough, you see where he just literally breaks mid-sentence sometimes and just starts repeating something. Just It's, yeah. it's very odd. With Paula White, I think, I think what she was doing was more in line with what you see from some of the um, African-American or black preachers where they get into the, that cadence and that cadence yeah. gets the amens going and stuff. Now, Anthony, you you witnessed this, so you, you'll know this story. You know, and you already know who I'm talking about. I think with the smile, we were we have a friend of ours, Clifford, and Clifford was we were in uh this in a, in a lobby of a place we we're staying, and it, it was a Christian housing. And Clifford was basically saying that he, you know in black churches, it's not about what you say; it's about how you say it. That they will they will amen a um a nursery rhyme if you're doing it to the cadence and i said that is the dumbest thing i've ever heard no one is going to do that 
I said, first off, how would you end up doing a nursery rhyme to Cadence? So he starts doing Little Miss Muffet. She's sad on her Muffet. I mean, he does, he's doing this whole thing, and some woman is walking by and goes, Amen, brother, preach it. He was oh, preaching man. a nursery rhyme. A nursery rhyme. And and she, he actually got a name. I just put my hands in my face and was like, I can't believe this. And so and so uh, yeah, someone is asking, uh, Someone's asking, is, is that Clifford from Repentant Witness Outreach? Yes, it is. Um, and that's where it happened at when we were at Repentant Witness Outreach in New York City. Um, so there is this thing where it, the repetition gets people riled up into a, a fever pitch, and that is what that you end up seeing. Um, I, I don't know how much of it is trying to invoke a curse or something like that, So, uh, but I forgot to... I saw this review, and I forgot to call Justin Peters and ask what his thought it is. So we're just going to have to get him back on to answer that question. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and you'll have to remind me that we have that question for him. Absolutely. All right. Uh, one, one thing I want to throw in here while you're while you're talking and while mm-hmm. you're at it. You took a breath, so I want to jump in here. Okay, so um, what we're going <laughs> to... Actually, what I want to throw in is if you have questions on the side and, and we don't get to them or we don't see them, uh, we do have the... Uh, the, the um, Super the little uh, additive incentive yeah. for us to see them. And uh, Anthony wants to take a sip of water and then tell us about that real quick. Who does? Uh, I think uh, Andrew was taking Andrew. a sip of water. Yeah. Man, oh, man. We've got their twins. I can't tell who's who. Oh, please. Oh, I'm yeah. surprised that I didn't get kicked off the show for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, you're gone. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, you, if you're on YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube or if, if you're watching on our projectslive.com, you can actually go over to the YouTube page, watch from there. But in the comments under YouTube, there is a little dollar sign. If you click that, that's called a super chat that gets you a that donates the money to striving for eternity. So it is a 501c3 uh, ministry. So that is tax deductible. Um but uh, if you donate there, that gives, that pops the question up differently so that we see it and it stays there for a while so we get to see it. So that is a way to make sure your question gets gets asked. So we're going we're gonna to try. We have a number of people backstage with, with some questions, which is good. So we're going to get to them. I may not get to the thing that I plan to pull on Justin Pierce. He heard a little bit before we started live. So we'll see. But we're first going to bring well, in Michael. Michael was here last week. And he goes to bed early, so he couldn't uh, stick around for the whole thing. Yeah, he, if he speaks a little funny, folks, we'll try to translate. He he is Canadian, so the Canadian atheist. Michael, how are you tonight? I'm really good, Justin. Michael, it's so unfair. I got to cut you off just just one second. It's so unfair. It's bad enough that you hardly get a chance to speak, let alone kicking you off the channel. Like, that's, <laughs> that's brutal. Bad. That's brutal. I feel I feel you. You come on come on my show. I'll never I'll never. I'll never silence you at all. I appreciate that. He just won't I'm let trying. you on. I am honestly trying to get my schedule done. You know, know, one thing one thing for everybody to know, um, uh, as I've dealt with atheists for, for years, um, there tends to be a, a vitriol and uh, an anger that comes from both sides. Um, there comes this, this uh, idea of I'm right and, you know, you need to know why don't you know. Um, as a, a reformed uh, person myself, I kind of understand that you're blind until God gives you sight to see. It's our job to explain the truth and love and be gracious, to be kind, not to be condescending and try to fight all the time. And so when when Michael came in uh, the first time, um, 
I honestly didn't know what to expect. And I thought it was going to be kind of a contentious little, you know, back and forth and whatnot. And I, I did. I, I thought, oh, man, this is going to be fun. And, Michael, you've been on what? Uh, well, I mean, let's not Probably count five. last week. Maybe yeah, five. Yeah, not, maybe five times, not yeah. counting last week. Yeah. Because you weren't really – you were backstage, and we talked backstage a little bit. But we, we actually had a conversation off air, Michael and I did, for, what, uh, 45 minutes or more. And it yeah, was just yeah. – it was fabulous, you know, yeah, good talk. and guys, we, we don't have to be contentious and angry and screaming and yelling, and getting people's faces about it. what I do you mean, mean? We can't get angry. Oh, sorry. <gasps> yeah, but we don't have to. I mean, sometimes it's, you know, it's fun to, you know, with Anthony, you know, it's, it's just, it's just part of it, but. Yeah, that's right. With know, Anthony, he, not Andrew. Thank you. Yeah, not Andrew, because Andrew's just <laughs> pure as wind-driven snow, and everybody puppy knows. Dog, puppy dog. Puppy dog. Puppy <laughs> dog. Um, yeah, no, I, I've, uh, I wholeheartedly agree, and and the reality is, is that, and I, Andrew, you and I have said this. I think when you were on the the podcast, we said that is that we get. Um, we're going to get further with just conversation mm-hmm. than just than just yelling at each other. And, uh, and honestly, uh, the time you were on a few, a few months back now, um, I got some great responses from that from from hardcore uh, atheists saying, you know, great conversation. Yeah. You know, glad it glad it stayed above board. I've gotten that from a number. You know, I got that when I was on Skylar Fiction's program. Uh, yeah. Some others, you know. It's because you're so- not a jerk. Oh, I am. Hey, just, hey, hey, hey! Just not a, not around you. Just when it's <laughs> when it's Justin, just Justin and I. Then yeah, just with me. It's yeah, right. yeah. So, so, so what, the, what's your uh, question for us tonight? Well, the, the, I got to ask you a question first. The clip, the blah blah blah. Was that was that was that seeing your Batman? That is. Yeah, the, I thought so. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, if you can call it a debate, I had a debate with him on modern day debate, and he's a special kind of guy. Yeah, he is. Um, he is. I'm keeping it very PG. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so a couple weeks back um, after the Capitol riots, um, well, I got to stop he, you there because oh, they weren't riots. They went in taking photos. Okay. Sure. R- riots are um, what was happening for seven months on the city streets where they're burning buildings, well, burning police cars. Those were also riots. I, I wouldn't call them anything but. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's like calling the Korean War a police action. Um, anyway, uh, after that, you came on and we're talking about how, um, you know, the, how, how conservatives and how Christians should respond to that. And I found it very interesting. And something that I've noticed a number of times is how – I don't want to say dog, but you guys kind of get on, uh, you know, socialism and socialists and, and, you know, these extreme leftists and stuff like that. Um, and so I wanted to have a, a conversation a little bit about um, the problem you have with socialism and why sometimes it seems like you conflate it with communism. Well, there, the difference I would make between communism and socialism, communism is a form of socialism, but at its core is, is atheism. And that's one of the distinguishing factors between the two, is communism is... I, I, I don't think I disagree with you. Yeah. And communism is the end game. I mean, socialism is the agenda. Communism is the end game. So, and, so okay, so, so, so in Canada, Canada's largely socialist. Um, so are they just like on a really long game? Because we've been doing this since Canada's inception. So is it yeah. like a 500-year plan? Well, there's, you, have, you have, I think, Come different on, levels. <laughs> well, no, actually, before you say that, yeah. Marx actually said that. Mm-hmm. Marx actually stated that, that the end game or end goal of 
the socialistic movement is communism and it's sure. to move towards that direction. Yeah. So, so that, you know, we, we have to be honest about that. He's right that that is the end game, whether it gets there or not, you know, your, your idea of democratic socialism or everything else, it, whether it gets there or not, it's, that's not the, that's not the question. The question is, is, is what is the catalyst behind the, the narrative? What's the catalyst behind the action, the movement? What's, what is it all about? And as Andrew just said, it begins with an anti-theist point of view. It's 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 not just atheist because you know, Michael, you and I have talked about this. Mm-hmm. There is a there is a big difference between being an atheist and an anti-theist. The anti-theist sure, will absolutely that. go against everything that God has laid out because he doesn't want there to be evidence for God, and every evidence for God is is a. a um, um, a slap in the face, if you will. Now, I won't say you know a, a theological or a doctrinal slap in the face, and so you have to do everything you can to counter that, and that's what we're seeing happening in America today. The difference between Canada and America is America's careful, now. careful brother, <laughs> but but America's constitutional foundation was based in Judeo-Christian values. At least to some some degree, I'm not saying everybody was a Christian or anything like that, but it was a vast majority of our laws and our understandings come from the Scripture. Well, when you're when you say one nation under God, and that's your mantra, that's your creed, mm-hmm. and you decide to turn against that, you don't just go like Canada did and and modified socialism, modified you know, um, uh, social light, you have to go full bore because if your foundation, if your laws, if your structures are based in, in, in Judeo-Christian values, you've got to turn everything on its head and say, look, we repudiate everything about our old history. And that's where, because we, we saw that this nation, uh, if you go back in our history, we saw that mm-hmm. this nation was divinely orchestrated and ordained by God to stand against all of the leaders and all of the, the those those monarchs that you guys are still kind of under, like we talked about earlier, sure. you know, uh, and for the for the the. The socialist mentality, if you're going to come in and change America, especially that was a light of the world to tell people about Christ and and had these things about democratic uh, represented republics and everything else. If you're going to do that, you have to completely upheave the nation and the mores, the moral foundations, all of those values. You have to find a way to change that structure. And that's why you're seeing such a drastic um, a drastic fight right now within America that you didn't see with Canada. So it's interesting. You said a lot there. So just for the record, for the record, Michael, he no, didn't, he didn't yeah. get much wor- breath in there to, you know, take a breath to let you get in just for the record. You know, I know, you know, I, I, purpose I, because if I do, I know I, I, you guys are like, Oh, let me come in. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, now, so see, I'm going to let Michael there. speak well, before Anthony well, jumps in. Yeah. Well, I don't think any, anyone can know, the mindset of the American founders. Um, the U.S. Constitution is is wholly um, secular based. It actually omits uh, any creator. What was interesting we said about Canada is I can't remember whether it's the third or the fourth line of the Canadian Constitution actually recognizes the supremacy of Almighty God. That's actually worded in our Constitution. And ironically, we are flipped 
um, you know, from a secular perspective versus uh, versus a religious uh, perspective. But then the other thing you said, um, Justin, which I really like to uh, get your take on is what is the socialist mentality? It depends on what's where you're at and what you're defining it as. Well, no, you, 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 you said it. it. You said it. Can you define it? Okay. Like, well, like, what's your view of the mentality? Well, like like Andrew was trying to say, we st- you know we start with an anti-theist point of view, and we move towards how can we as humanity operate in a world apart from you know a a social and a mental and a cognitive structure that is inundated with God. You, you okay. think about it this way. Think about it this way. In Israel. In the Old Testament, everything revolved around God. Mm-hmm. Every moment of life revolved around God. Thus saith the Lord, what does God decree and how should we behave? In Christianity, everything revolves around Christ and we understand Christ and we understand the scripture and, and whatnot. If you, I don't know what that was. That was called unprofessional. You left your phone on. Yeah. Oh, no, that was Anthony. Oh, look at that. That was Anthony trying to get a word in. Oh. He was... Yeah. <laughs> You you want the word? Go ahead, brother. You, I'll let you finish. No, no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I can't believe he cut you off like that, man. Can you believe that would do that? Cold hearted. That's cold hearted. Was a good brother in Kentucky. It was calm. I'm gonna have to call him back afterwards. No, look, okay. Oh, go ahead. When we understand, I, I, Michael, I don't think you're. I, I don't think you understand the the correct foundation of of the country. So let me just read this from the Declaration of Independence. Right, this is where the uh, the early fathers of this country founded this country, declaring their independence from England. It says we hold these truths to be self evident mm-hmm. that all men are created equal that they were endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Right. right then and there, we see that they acknowledge creator God and that it's creator God who's the, who is, who's foundational for us to actually have rights that are transcendent, right? That that's uh, rights that are, that humans have. It doesn't matter what time period you live in or where you live. Those rights are always the rights that you have. And the reason why is because from God. And I know you listened to me a couple of weeks ago, and that's why you wanted to talk last week. Um, you know, so I, I'm not telling you anything new, but that was that was in the Declaration of Independence. Mm-hmm. Then going forward, what did they do in the Declaration of Independence? They said that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. Well, guess where that comes from? Romans 13, 1 Peter 2. Yep. Deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that wherever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter it or abolish it, which is inferred from Romans 13, 1 Peter 2. Yep. Um, and to institute a new government and then goes on. But here's the reality. Is that they, they started this out, this country out, with this Declaration of Independence, acknowledging God, acknowledging rights only come from God, and, and acknowledging that governments are instituted by man for the purposes of carrying out God's commands and for the purpose of carrying out what God's morality is and the purpose of of, uh, protecting the rights that are God-given. That's the foundation. Then we go forward into the Constitution and Bill of Rights. Now there's rights that are listed out, some of which are straight-up biblical. Others would be as consequences of the fact that we have rights biblically is is what's laid out in the Bill of Rights and the Constitution is there to protect it. So, so I mean, that's, that's really foundationally what we see there. And so now take that knowledge with what Pastor Justin had just said a few minutes ago in that we as, as people in America, first and foremost, this is people all across the world, again, regardless of time period, we all have certain God-given inalienable rights. 
Every single human being has this. And, and so it doesn't matter what country you live in. America is extra special because not only do we have God's law. We're special. And, and we are really special. Yes. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> thanks, Justin. Anthony just always thinks he's special. <laughs> I'm really special. I'm Italian in America. <laughs> No, but we're so in America, we have these financial documents so that we are both people of God, of our creator, and we have a constitution that protects those rights. So we kind of have two sides uh, of, of a coin, so to speak, that we fight for. And and that's why you see in America, people are so upset. What I find interesting is that we have a lot of people who scream for liberties but they don't have a correct biblical foundation. And so if anything, if you want to pick apart anybody, those are the people you should probably look at are those patriots who talk about rights and don't have the foundation for it. Well, I like, I like what Richard Neal says here. Speaking of you, Anthony, he says he's Italian. They're kind of long winded. Oh, Richard, you don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Phil says typical Anthony. Let let me just, before you respond, Michael, let me just give you one other thing. That's the teaching side. We are called to explain things thoroughly (laughs) so anybody can understand them. And sometimes we use our hands as well to paint the picture as we speak. Yeah. Yeah. I actually question your roots because you don't use your hands nearly as much. Yeah. (laughs) I'm trying to get tame. (laughs) And you have to think about what he was talking about with the constitution, you know, as we're talking about with the constitution. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I was gonna, I'm just going to say one thing with the, with the Constitution because Michael, you, you said we can't know what the founders' thinking was, but we can because they've written a lot. They wrote down. They, I mean, right. th- unlike our generation that blogs about nonsense, they actually wrote meaningful things, and they would explain stuff of what it is they're thinking. I mean, you you yeah. read the letters back and forth between Thomas Jefferson and, and Adams. And you can see, I mean, they had strong views. <clears throat> yes, yeah, so what? I'm Jewish. I speak with my hands, too. I see you there. So you know how to keep an, an Italian or a Jewish person quiet? Tie their hands up. There you go. Okay. So <clears throat> Anthony's got his hands on his phone, so he can't speak. <laughs> so, so, I mean, the thing is, we do have a way of seeing what it is their thoughts were. Because they, they, wrote, they wrote it down, especially Adams and, and Jefferson, because so much of their dialogue was recorded in letter and and really Adams was the writer and of the constitution where Jefferson gets all the credit but he was really the editor you know the, yeah. most of that was really the 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 mind of of Adams uh, and he was well, a devout christian keep it keep in mind too is that the found the founding fathers have the federalist papers mm-hmm. so we have hundreds and hundreds of pages mm-hmm. of explanation as to their thought process exactly they also were were students of guys like john locke who were philosophers and christian and uh, so they got a lot of foundational stuff from them so it's not like these guys just on a whim threw this stuff out there this was stuff that was well thought out it's been out for a long time and uh, a lot of these were counter arguments for the junk that was coming up with karl marx because Karl Marx wasn't the first guy to think of this stuff, right? It was going on for a good hundred years before that. And uh, Karl Marx is one who really codified this well and really uh, set it on fire, so to speak, because so much stuff came out after him. But I do want to get to one of Michael's questions that he, I don't think, got answered. And that is, you know, what would we say about Canada? Because it has been socialist for, for a long time, and it's not the only one. I do think I do think there's a different level, Michael. When you have um, you have countries who are uh, socialistic, they that either like you're saying Canada didn't start out free, 
with, with the freedoms that there were in America, where you have countries that, where there was some freedom, and where especially where you had a middle class that then goes to socialism, you usually see that doesn't go well. It usually goes violently. And it, it usually, unfortunately, goes quickly, but it's hard for people to lose all those freedoms. And, and so that's, there is, I think, a distinction that we can make. I mean, you look at Europe and you look at Canada and, and there was, like in Europe, there was a back and forth, you know, of, of where freedoms and then all of a sudden, you know, there'd be more socialists and then you'd have monarchs. And it was just constantly fighting and battling. But it was, it was a slower process than, you know, we have uh, seeing in places like, you know, Cuba or Venezuela or Germany in, you know, before World War II or, you know, Mao with, with China and Stalin. And you have these others where that was a, a, a much quicker process, a, a quicker change, yeah. a more radical change. So it's going to be different than what you'd have in Canada. So I think, I don't know if when, when people in America are speaking of socialism, I don't think they're thinking of Europe and Canada. Well, another thing too, is you have to, you also have to consider that what you're talking about is the concept of being, being ruled and governed by a group, an oligarch or whatever, a, a group of uh, um, either a monarchy or what have you. It's very easy to transition from the monarchy to the oligarchy when you already are under authoritative leadership. Okay. For America, we're of the people, by the people, for the people. And now there's a certain portion of the people says, no, we want to dominate everything and we got to change the way our structure is. And whether you agree with it or not, you know, whether you like it or not, um, from, from a Christian perspective, we've, we've been told to learn how to operate under any system and still maintain Christianity and as best we can to work in that confines. Um, the issue is, is, somebody just posted this a minute ago. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, Phil, and I've, I've, I've seen this uh, in some of the writings uh, from some of the articles. <laughs> I'm trying to pop that up. I'm sorry, Anthony. But it says, Phil says, um, Canada is about to throw Christian pastors in jail. Well, that's yeah, actually, I saw that. yeah, I actually saw that last week. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd be curious to see a, a link for that. Um, so the, the only thing that, that I've heard of uh, personally over the last little while is uh, pastors that are going against um, the COVID restrictions that have been put in place. Yeah, uh, COVID's a, a real thing, guys. Um, well, so, yeah. You know, I mean, 450,000 Americans have died. Well, okay, but hold on, hold on. Uh, I think we have a great teaching. 13,000 Canadians. We have, so, we have uh, a, a great teaching opportunity here, okay? Because what people may not pick up is what Michael just did is what's called a straw man argument. Nobody <laughs> is saying that COVID is not a real thing. Oh, no, no, that's, no, that's not what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, is that that is the only threat of imprisonment that, that I've heard of. I'd be curious to see uh, a, a link of some other, of yeah. other news. I've, I've heard, I've heard threats of, of speaking against homosexuality from pulpits. Yeah. Uh, of, sorry, where? So speak in, in, Canada. in Canada. Yeah. Um, no, I, I'm, I'm not. I mean, could, this, could yeah. there be something happening in a country of 37 million people? I'm not aware of. Sure. Maybe. Um, no, there couldn't be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only thing that's somewhat controversial that people kind of uh, it catches people off guard is that um, it, it is against it is a criminal code violation in Canada to deny the Holocaust. You can actually be charged and put in jail for that. Um, so that's usually one that people go like, whoa, okay, we need that here. 
Um, so, but in, anyway, so you guys have, have said uh, uh, a lot. So, yep, when and that's where we cut you off and say thank you for coming on the program. And <laughs> nice. Um, so when you're talking about so so when I'm talking about socialism and stuff like that, and Anthony, I appreciate every, everything that you said. And so you know, I think it was. Um, Benjamin Franklin, who said uh, churches or lighthouses are more useful than churches. Um, and so I'm, I'm certainly not saying that, you know, that it was all one way or all the other. But I do find it interesting that, you know, you have this one, the one document, the Declaration of Independence, um, which in some ways, uh, I guess, mirrors a portion of our Constitution uh, in the, the uh, recognizing um, a God. Which is which is fine. I, I do find it interesting how they've how they've gone in these separate directions. But what you know, in 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 I guess modern Canada, the way socialism works is is different than some of the things that you're that you're talking about. And and Andrew, you you alluded to this in saying that you you don't think people look at uh, Europe and Canada when they think about uh, socialism. They think about um, some other horrible systems that may well have been based. Uh, in a lack of belief, uh, okay. Um, I mean, Hitler and Stalin both had mustaches too, um, although Hitler was Catholic. But um, so, in what I was asking about, you know, the the, the things you um, or how you would identify uh, socialism, one of the big triggers uh, in the U.S. is healthcare. So, I'd be curious to know how you guys feel about uh, a government-administered healthcare system. Well, we we have one. In America, yeah, it's called Medicare, and it's horrible. I mean, it, the, the, the reality is, I think that in, in why I think America had done so well is because we have checks and balances. The government was designed to be a check and balance to things like healthcare, business, so that you have somewhere you can go to appeal to. But once, once the government runs it, there is no more check and balance because they will make laws that they're they're no longer accountable to have to do. So where you may have, you know, a business can't be a monopoly, but once the government runs it, they can be a monopoly all they want. They can set whatever prices they want. And you don't have any recourse typically. You know, now if you have a, a country where they're where they build in laws for a check and balance, fine. But typically the issue is is you don't have uh, any recourse. And when you're, when it comes to individual's life, you know, you do have cases where you, you're not making the decision. Your doctor's not making the decision. Some panel in government is making the decision. It, I have the same issue against, uh, health insurance. When you get health insurance in, in America and the, the insurance company dictates to you what you can and cannot do for your health instead of it being between you and your doctor, deciding what you should and shouldn't do with your health. So I, I'm, I would have the same issue, not just with the government doing, but as well with just the, you know, with a healthcare system. I think that people should be, because you brought up the healthcare thing, I think that people have, it should be something between them and their doctor that gets discussed, not some third party that, that's paying the bill to make the decision. This is a typical trope that I hear from people in the U.S. that, and I mean no disrespect, but don't understand how Canadian healthcare works because a patient and their doctor is the only way decisions get made. There's, Actually, um, there is no like I've, I've lived here my whole life. Um, I have uh, family that have been involved in all kinds of different healthcare. My my wife is uh, was in the healthcare fundraising industry for 18 years. She's mm-hmm. since moved to a different field, but it's it's just. It's just not the case. And you, you may be able to point out small anecdotal accounts where things have happened, but the overwhelming majority, like if, if a person needs care, 
the decisions made between them and their doctor. There, there is no, there is no bat phone that they have to pick up and say, "I need to find out from the government if they'll pay for this." That doesn't happen ever. It just doesn't. It what's just. Really, doesn't. What's really cool about that? That I mean, you made an emphatic statement there. And my sister only lived in Canada for thirteen years and was married with a, to a gentleman uh, from Canada, mm-hmm. uh, and she actually affirmed that those things is the reason why she moved back to America because uh, her son was denied health care because he was. Um, he, he was too costly for some of his, some of the things that he uh, needed to have done. And uh, she was, she had went through the, some of the same issues as well. Um, and she was Where in the health and she was in the healthcare field as well in Canada. Okay. In Quebec. Um, so anyway, Quebec. Okay. yeah, so, so it does happen and it may not happen in, in like in your very neighborhood, um, it may not happen there, but to say emphatically it doesn't happen anywhere, it's kind of like just a minute yeah. ago you said, well, I don't know everything that happens to everybody in Canada. And yeah. Now, you're, now yeah. you're saying. Yeah, because I knew a pastor. I know a pastor who his, his uh, son died of a very rare disease. He was here in America, and the medical bills bankrupted him. And so when he discovered his daughter had the same disease, they actually moved to Canada because mm. of the fact that they wanted the free health care. The problem was – they they couldn't they couldn't get the care because they were put on a wait list and it was it was so long yeah. before they could see a doctor that they started coming to to the states and then they paid even more so you know it's a common misconception that healthcare is free it's not yeah no um, it's not oh it's and, never and, free and that's, that's you're right yeah. <laughs> someone's and, got, and always got to pay point. for it that's the point is everybody says it's free healthcare it's not it's, it's not. taxed healthcare mm-hmm. even even and, and, even Obamacare is not free I mean that was they they charge people so. Uh, I'm just going to give a wise gentleman. Yeah, I'm going to get because I know Jeremy is is in the backstage and he has a short time window. Um, Can I can I have 30 seconds? Because I just posted this. Yeah, uh, no, I just I want to give I want to give you and Anthony a chance to to wrap this up with Michael. Okay, and then we'll move on to the next question. Just real quick, I posted on the side chat here, uh, so everybody know the Harbinger News. Uh, they actually talked about um, uh, Bill C seven, or I'm sorry, Bill C six from the uh, members of Parliament that voted 306 to seven in favor of a motion. The it was the bill that was called an act to amend the criminal code on conversion therapy. That actually did make it illegal for um, the for people. Um, to try to help with those that were dealing with same sex attractions. And it, so it's, that would, that was actually illegal as far as I could read. I mean, I, yeah. and that should be illegal there. and that should be illegal. So, okay. So, so let me, let me kind of finish up this topic and, and uh, I, I would love to have you back on Michael and discuss some of these topics more because yeah. I, I think we can really dive into some of this stuff. And here's the question I'm going to ask you the next time you come on, I'm going to give you, give this to you ahead of time to prepare is what is it that you like about socialism? I don't want you to answer this tonight. Okay. It, what is it? What are the, what are the things that you think are beneficial for socialism? And the thing that I, I can guarantee is that Pastor Justin, myself, and Andrew will be able to point out why that isn't rooted in God, and it's the exact opposite of what God would teach in the Bible. And that that fundamentally is why we have a problem with socialism. Now, let's talk about medicine for, for just a moment. Oh, sure. You did ask this particular question. Here's my issue. Hospitals in the United States, and as far as I understand around the world, all started as a result of, of Christian-censored um, medical places. And I'm not a historian. I'm not going to pretend to, to know the difference. Yeah, that's okay. And, and slowly over time, those things got taken over by either private privatized care or, or in general um, tied to a governmental system. 
in theory, what the way socialism should work for this is that people, and, and don't get me wrong, there are Christian healthcare ministries in America where this works quite well, where people literally pool their money together and you've got very low administrative costs and those administrative costs by people willingly pooling their money together into this big pool, you have administrative, a small administration that will then pay out on claims. So it's essentially, it, it's like it's having insurance and all of it's you guys. What's known as, it's what's known as a cooperative. It's a cooperative. That's right. That's the, yeah. yeah. So that, that's the term for it. Where the problem comes in with socialism and, and, and government stuff is that once the government gets involved, you start to have a lot of money that goes outwards towards government. That's number one. So the layers within the governmental system uh, starts to eat up a lot of the money. Then you have the fact that in America, medicine and dentistry, both in in um, the insurance side as well as the prescription side, they all have special laws that they that they can that they have and things they don't have to abide by in terms of um, fair trade and whatnot here in America. It's, it's crazy stuff. It drives up costs. You have a lot of lobbying efforts that drives up costs. So for me, who's been in dentistry for years, I've been able to outline certain things that uh, I've talked to state reps about that if, if a couple of laws were passed could fix a number of the problems in terms of unaffordability within, within insurance and what's going on. Nobody wants to touch this stuff. Why? Because of the lobbyists. And so why I, why this is a socialism issue is because ultimately socialism always points towards just a few people who have all the wealth or it's all concentrated within government and everybody else is, is made to have virtually nothing and relying upon either the government or the few that are, that are very wealthy. And our healthcare system is doing the exact same thing over time. And uh, that's a, that's a very short answer. I can explain that a little bit more next time and get into more more details. I think Justin's about to cut you off. Anyway. Yeah. No, um, I was just going to laugh. You said a short answer. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long. It, this, this takes a long time to actually work itself out. Everything takes long yeah. for Anthony. The one thing I'll do just before I duck out is is uh, uh, just respond to one thing you said, Anthony, is to say you know that it's not rooted in a God view, and and I just um, and again not to come across as, as offensive, but that's not a problem for an atheist is that it's not rooted in God. Like that's that's uh, that's a that's a non-issue uh, for me. Like it's not an issue, not rooted in God. Cool. Next. Um, but anyway, I, I want I definitely want to uh, not monopolize as. Uh, uh, as much time yeah well we're got other people that uh, that uh, want to come in yeah well i'm going to put you in the backstage uh just because uh chris christian's going to have a question that's going to be kind of right along the lines of some of this um because i actually know her question <laughs> so oh, okay i was actually uh, going to duck out and spend some time with my wife oh well then duck out you'll listen to it later and i'm sure you'll be yeah. back so yeah, for sure and uh and like i said um yeah uh, justin we got to get together and and anthony the the invitation is extended to you as well um please feel free come on and uh you know we'll have a discussion i'll let you uh i'll let you add our uh our bunch of uh, filthy heathens that listen right yeah, he, he will he'll take up the whole show talking you'll ask him you know anthony how are you and then an hour later you're gonna finally go okay let's close so well no because i can always count on the fact that either one he can't make his roadcaster work or i have a mute button (laughs) this is true something will go wrong with this it's true yeah the easiest system i mean that's the that's the beauty when 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 michael's making fun of anthony like it is the easiest type of podcasting equipment (laughs) it it truly is i'm 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 i sit in envy 
This is why we got it. it for him. <laughs> he still has trouble. All right, let's let's go real quick. Um, thank you, Michael. I'm going to bring Jeremy in. Um, Jeremy, I, we, we you and I were chatting a little bit. You, uh, for folks who don't know, um, Jeremy is. Uh, well, actually, I just thought about it. they they haven't listened to the rap report that you're on. You he will be coming up soon on the rap report. Uh, but Jeremy has a podcast, uh, Do Theology, which is what we should do. And uh, But you were recently on your Do Theology podcast. You had a debate. You were on uh, Marvin, Marvin's... Um, I'm drawing a blank. It's not Marvin. Marlin. Marlin. Uh, Marlin show, and uh, where he does a lot of different debates, and you had a debate. You were supposed to be de- debating, you told me, Skylar fiction, but that yeah. didn't quite work. Yeah, we had set it up with Skylar a couple different times, and he just totally just punked out on us last minute, both times. Uh, so one of the times, like I was there, we were both there waiting. We waited for like an hour for him to show up and he just didn't even respond. So, uh, it was pretty lame, but yeah, we, he found a last minute substitution. Marlon's got connections all over the place. And so I ended up debating a guy, uh, Benjamin Blake speed is his name. And, uh, he is, uh, an idealist atheist and um well, explain to folks what your objective morality yeah what was your topic is god the standard of morality was the topic in in you know scholar fiction very committed to subjective morality mm-hmm. benjamin speed committed to objective morality so that was a very different conversation and he's very very heady very philosophical and uh so anyway uh it, it was a fun conversation so a couple of things that, you know, I, I mentioned it might be good for folks. You, you had some good arguments in there, so I wanted to, like, get you. I mean, we want to teach people how to go about, you know, doing apologetics. Um, you know, my guess was that you probably, you know, had watched a film that, because you, you focused a lot on certainty. <laughs> yeah, right. um, So, um you know, there, there was, there, there, there's, I want to first say, have you explain what your argument was? And then, you know, why did you focus in on, you, you kept going back to certainty. There were some other things that, and I had told you, if I had known you were doing the debate, I have a, a great article um, that's re- done by, by unbelievers. It was done by, by uh, you know, people that weren't trying to prove Christianity in any way. Um, mm-hmm. On the issue of free will from an atheist perspective. And basically, they did all these case studies and they, I think it was like four or five case studies and each case study showed that their conclusion was, well, we know there's no such thing as free will, but it's better to believe it. In other words, they're saying it's better to believe that you're going to be accountable to someone because if you actually believe that you're just a chemical reaction, you're more likely to do morally bad things. (laughs) So every time morality comes up, I always bring that article up. Uh, because that that article is a great way of exposing that case studies show that people are more likely to lie, steal, steal, cheat, you know, even to get an election, um, you know, to, you know, it's it's basically whatever they can do to get what's better for them. They have less respect for their fellow man. They have less concern for for others or or what's right or wrong. And so the, the Conclusion it made was that all the studies show it's better to believe we're accountable to someone, um, and so I, w- I would have given you that. But explain explain your uh, what your argument was with within this debate. And, and by the way, it's the gospel truth uh, is the is the show that 
this airs on. Yeah, yeah, the Gospel Truth YouTube channel is certainly worth subscribing to, and uh, they also, or Marlon also puts everything out in podcast form, so check out the Gospel Truth. In, in my opening statement, I stated my thesis right from the get-go quite plainly, that the Creator is absolutely free to glorify himself by governing his creatures according to his will alone. That's my thesis statement. And ended up breaking that down throughout the opening statement. And then as the debate went on, focused on two things. You mentioned one of them, certainty. Uh, So in the realm of epistemology, how do we know what is true? I wanted to nail down with him, are you certain of what you believe? Because for an atheist, the best you can do is be probable. Uh, You can never be certain. And so I wanted to address that. And then the other issue was one of authority. Um, Do you have the authority to create your own morality? Or he was appealing to Hegel and Kant. Do they have the authority to create morality for all of mankind? And, of course, the answer to that is no. The, The creator is the one who has all authority. He has revealed himself. He has given us the law. He has given us the standard of right and wrong, and we appeal to him and him alone because he is the one who has all authority. He is the one who makes us certain of truth, and and that was the crux of the argument. Also, I apologize for my my setup here. I'm at home. I, I do all my recording and stuff in my office, so I'm on a laptop in my basement. So, so you, you're just trying to set the record so people say the, you know, the quality we're getting now is not what they're going to hear on do the Do Theology podcast, okay? Exactly right. <laughs> and by the way, we should mention that Do Theology is a member of the Christian podcast community, which we're a member of, so it's a growing list. If you want to check out all the podcasts there, just go to christianpodcastcommunity.org. So one of the things that you, you focused a lot on certainty. I see Anthony, Anthony loves this subject of precepts, so I see him jump, get ready to jump in. Here, here's well, the one I, thing. I was also cracking up because it sounds like you keep saying dude theology. Do. <laughs> D-O. <laughs> hey, dude theology. No, that would be, it, it shows that Anthony doesn't pay attention when I said that's what we should all do is do theology. He should have picked you. up on that, but, you know. So here's, here's the one thing I would do in, in debates like that. Um, I think that one of the things that he missed was the fact that he was arguing for reason, for the ability to reason, right? It would have been great to, ha- to just jump on that go, but yet where do you get an immaterial thing called an ability to reason, right? This is the whole thing that we make the distinction is when we talk about the ability to reason and laws of logic and like all the stuff you guys were talking about, you know, intelligence and he was talking about math and it's just, he, he's, he's laying that out as it just yeah. is, but why is it? And the whole reason is this comes from an immaterial entity. So you yeah, need an immaterial in, in the source. Examination. We got into that yeah, uh, a little bit, a little bit. And in the phrase that I, I used is the same phrase that I used in my other debate. Uh, I've only done two debates. I've got a third one in March, but uh, my other debate with Kwaku L the famous uh, African-American Mormon. <laughs> and uh, in that debate over the, immateriality of God, the question is, do immaterial, eternally unchanging truths exist? That's that's the question that anybody outside of biblical Christianity needs to reckon with. Correct. Eternal, immaterial and eternally unchanging truths. Uh, and if the answer is, yeah, those exist, well, what's their source? And in this debate with the atheist Benjamin, uh, his answer was, 
Well, uh, you know, they, they just all, always exist. They have no source. Uh, he, he's an idealist. He, you know, was going back to the old old books that Kant wrote and saying that's the answer. Uh, but at the end of the day, appealing to the human conscience, that really doesn't solve anything. You're just a man pointing to another man, and and all you can have is some sort of probability uh, that this is true, and you never get that assurance that the human soul needs because we're created in God's image, and God has set eternity on each man's heart. And Immanuel Kant isn't going to give us that lasting peace that we need. So, uh, Anthony, I don't know. I don't think you got a chance to listen to the debate yet, um, but uh, you you would enjoy it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I don't know if you if you had anything you wanted to to share with uh and precept is kind of like one of your favorite top subjects. <laughs> yeah, I mean my favorite thing to go to is is uh, the ability to reason, right? And and so I've done this on the show before. I won't do it again tonight, but I, I enjoy that one because you can you can literally talk to somebody and say, "Are you having a conversation with me right now?" Yeah. And they always say yes. I say, "Are you formulating the thoughts in your minds right now? Like, are you the are you controlling the thoughts and then and then actually speaking them out your mouth?" Well, yeah. They'd say, well, how can you account for that if you're just a pile of random chemical reactions doing nothing but obeying laws of chemistry and physics as a result of billions of years of this, right? And so it's, it's, to me, it's a lot of fun to, to do that. So I'll enjoy uh, listening to that debate coming up. Yeah, one of the things that uh, I thought of <laughs> when you were doing the debate, that in, in, uh, he was, with some of the stuff he was saying, this might have worked well to see what he would say because you have so many of these guys that profess atheism and they just say, as he was trying to imply, we're just, you know, we're basically just chemical reactions. Yeah. And when, when they do that, a question I've learned to ask is, I ask them, so do you believe that people, we should recognize people by the gender they identify themselves with? You know, sh- so should we accept transgender? Should we accept that, that you know, that there's gender fluidity? And, and many of the professing atheists will say yes. And so when they do, it's like, so you're telling me someone's born biologically male, so their chemicals are male, their thinking should be male, everything about them should be male. Where did they get this idea that there's something against their chemical reactions? <laughs> there's got to be an immaterial source for that. And and it's it's something that they're not, they haven't heard enough to, to formulate an answer for yet. They will eventually. If you remember, if you go back to the very beginning of this show, I gave you how the, you know confirmation bias is going to work. They're going to come up with a life-saving device. And so, you know, what you see in, in that is that you have people who will try to figure that out, but they haven't figured it out yet, and it gets them to stop and think. And the thing that they're thinking about is the fact that they can't explain where a person can be biologically one sex, but they identify as a different sex. Um, and real quick, Chris says, On the Origin of Kinds by Anthony, that's Anthony, Dr. Anthony Svester, who's here, uh, does a great job with presuppositional apologetics. And so that book is available at strivingfraternity.org. So, Jeremy, I don't know if you want to... Wrap up with no, anything. I mean, at the heart of every uh, worldview that lies outside of biblical Christianity is contradiction. And so, as you were just giving with that example, that they cannot account for their own assertions uh, because it's self-contradicting. Um, and so, I, you know, I love the um, the documentary "How to Answer the Fool" uh, by it's. It was created, I think, by Chocolate Knox with Cross Politic, but Sites and Bruggenkate is the one, of course, who's featured mostly in that documentary. And that's really what won me over to presuppositional apologetics uh, a, couple, a few years ago. And so um, if anybody's not seen that, you should check that out. If you're not a reader, you should uh, watch that hour and a half documentary. It's on YouTube and 
it, it really walks you through what is at the heart of the issue when you're engaging with someone whose worldview uh, is outside of biblical Christianity. Yeah, we we always got to do this every show, but there's there's John reading reading my book. He he must be a very slow reader. Uh, re- he's been reading What Do They Believe for years now, you know. Uh, but but I think. I think John, that you've been suppressed or, or knocked off there. Here's look. Oh, look at look at this. Look at how how he's got all the tabs. Pastor Justin has got it all marked up. His looks prettier. So <laughs> he's he's showing off uh, Anthony's book on the origin of kinds. So uh, Jeremy, I know you you you, were, you had uh, a short amount of time, but we wanted to recommend everyone go to listen to the Do D O Theology podcast for. Some people who don't know how to spell do, Anthony. Um, I'm mentioning names. <laughs> Are you saying dude? Are you saying dude? Yeah, yeah. See, it's the Italian <laughs> yeah, in Anthony. Yeah, he just really cool. Yeah, that so, would be pretty cool. To name it, dude. Theology. <laughs> yeah. I I wouldn't be surprised if that's out there. <laughs> so so Jeremy, is. anything? Any last words you want before? Yeah, uh, I would recommend actually that, that people check out my other debate with Quaku. Uh, go, go to YouTube and type in uh, Jeremy Howard and Quaku uh, debate. That's about again is, is God immaterial? Um, there aren't too many debates out there on that topic, so check that one out. A lot of the same issues come up, and uh, it, yeah, it was, a, it was a good debate. We actually did that one in person a little over a year ago, so it was uh, a better. Uh, format than online. Yeah. But for um, for the podcast, yeah, go to dotheology.com. Season three starts on Wednesday with our interview with Ray Comfort. Won't want to miss that. So check it out this Wednesday, dotheology.com. Yeah, you got a number of good interviews coming up. Uh, yeah. So looking forward to that. And you're, you're going to be on the wrap report coming up uh, in about two weeks. We talked about uh, basically classifying or categorizing theology, the importance of it. Um, that actually came up in my Wednesday night Bible study. I talked about what we're discussing of where does eschatology, the study of end times, fit? Is that a secondary issue or a third issue? So, got to get take those charts printed off, get them out, get yeah. into the hands of the people. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jeremy, thanks for coming in. We appreciate it, and uh, I'm going to bring in Christian. So, it's good to see your face. Haven't seen you for a Hi. long time. Um, I know. Yeah, this is uh, so. Christian is, um, she used to be, when we did the NorCal event, she was always up there, um, but now you moved, so, but now you moved yeah, to a, a, a more now. free, a more freer, you know, state, maybe. Mm, <laughs> maybe. Debatable. Yeah. <laughs> we have Kate Brown, she's not far behind Gavin Newsom. But so, at least you yeah. have, you have horses now. <laughs> we have horses and we have land and we are in central Oregon where it's nice and there's a good amount of conservatives here and we have a lot of churches so that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So so you had you had sent a question I said this might be a really good one for uh for us to discuss yep. here so I'm going to let you ask your question here and then we'll we'll interact sure. with it. Sure. Um okay so what I'll do is I'll give you guys some context because I gave Andrew all the context and then I'll ask my question. So our church is embarking on a study on critical race theory, which is good. We're doing a book called um, Why Social Justice is Not Biblical Justice. So that's been very interesting. But I'm learning that even for me as an adult, it's all pretty hard to digest. Um, and but what I'm finding is I have a 13-year-old, I have a middle schooler, but critical race theory has permeated completely saturated the culture all the way down the middle schoolers. Um, I'm talking like even in conservative um, circles, in Christian schools, um, 
I found that just from seeing conversations my daughter has on social media and just talking to her, a lot of the kids, even at 13, use their identities to um, bludgeon people, um, especially conservative kids or kids that may have biblical values. Um, and so I'm really struggling with that as a parent because my husband, and I, I'm sorry, I've got notes. I wanted to like keep myself on track with this. <laughs> so we're trying to like wrestle with this ourselves. And how do you explain this to a 13 year old who's a good student, but I'm not going to be able to sit her down and have her read that book. Um, and I've just, I've been looking online. There's not a lot of apologetics material for middle schoolers. You know, you've got like stuff for little kids to, to prime them. And then you've got stuff for high schoolers that are getting ready to go to college. But like this 13 year old age has been really, really hard. But this to me, it just seems like a pretty urgent issue when I see like kids calling each other racist and calling them transphobic and calling them homophobic. And a lot of these Christian kids were teaching them the Bible. Um, and we've, talked about evolution and abortion and all the life issues, but uh, they don't, I, I don't want to say not sound um, disrespectful, but they just are unable to clap back when somebody calls them a racist. And from what I've learned from church and studying this book, that is typical activism of CRT ideology. Um, so anyway, I was just wondering if Anthony and um, Andrew have ever felt led to do like a middle school apologetics type of thing. Well, we, well yeah, I'll let you go. Go the ahead. Stuff that I teach is, and the stuff that I have online right now is, I think middle school level and above anyway. Okay. And. Uh, so, you know, do you do you understand what critical race theory is in general? I do. It's just when it, um, trying to translate that to my daughter is a little more difficult. So my husband's going to take a stab at it as we go through this weekly study. Yeah. Um, and I'm finding that the culture has um, so rapidly um, disintegrated that we're just trying to play catch up right now. And I'm just like jumping to learning debate and telling her like, okay, let's talk about ad hominem attacks and character assassinations. Um, because it's just the, those that identity bludgeoning, which is like the oppression Olympics that everybody talks about. Yeah. It's really rampant and it's shocking to me, like how quickly these 13 year olds use it. Um, so that's kind of where we're at. It's like, I feel like we're jumping a few steps ahead and I'm like, okay, let's talk about you identifying what, what it is when somebody calls you a racist and how do you respond yeah. to that as a Christian? So, you know, I, what I always tell people is let's start foundationally with this. Okay. Right. And so foundationally is, as we go back to Genesis and we see what does God say in terms of identity? Right. First of all, he made them male and female period. Right. There's no confusion. And so transgenderism is, is out the door right off the bat. We see that Eve was given to Adam as his, as his wife um, right off the bat. Jesus verifies it in uh, Matthew 19 and Mark 10 when he is asked about um, he's, he's asked about divorce, right? And mm -hmm. he literally answers from Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, quotes directly from them. Okay, so that's foundational. What else is foundational? That Eve was called Eve, Eve because she is the mother of all the living. 
Every single person on this planet that has ever, (laughs) ever been born is from Adam and Eve, which means then that there is one blood, one race. And so I, I lay this out right off the bat because I want us to understand something as Christians. And I've said this on the show before for others that are listening. I'm sorry to repeat this, but but it's this is foundational. It's really important. There's one blood, one race. When we as Christians use the term racism, we're using a term that is not a Christian term. It is a foreign concept to the Bible. This is a term that is outside. So our kids have to understand that first and foremost. Okay. Is that there's one blood, one race. So you have to remember, Christian, I'm assuming your kids go to public school. Is that right? No, she goes to a private Christian school, but we are Oregon. Not known for a lot of conservatism, you know. Um, But we are in a conservative pocket. And I would say it's a Lutheran school. Um, you know, I go to Grace Bible. I used to go to Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, you know, more Calvinistic, dispensationalist. But yeah. Their doctrine's okay at the Lutheran school. Like, I'm in good company there, you know, and the kids are. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just really overwhelming just to hear this because it's nothing I dealt with when I was growing up. Yeah. So, so th- again, we, we go back to foundations. I'm going to put myself on the screen. It's easier for yeah. us together. Um Andrew, can you put a side-by-side, please? (laughs) If possible. I don't know how to do that. Okay. (laughs) That's good. Thank you. (laughs) So, sorry, it's a lot easier for me to talk this way. So, when we we understand that foundationally, first and foremost, then we have to say, what is going on with with the term racism? Why are people saying this? We have to acknowledge, Right. right? We have to acknowledge as Christians, does an idea of racism the idea that on the outside world, in secular world, does the idea exist that some people um, hold it against others that they have a different tone of skin? Well, yes, that it, that occurs. Yeah, sure. That does happen. Yeah. The question is, is it is it because it is, and here's another foundational thing, critical race theory teaches that the fabric of society, so that means right. the laws, the rules, the thought processes and everything in between is rigged. It's a completely rigged system against people of color. That's critical race theory. Right. Okay. That's not Christian. What's Christian as an explanation for what's going on out there is sin. Right. That's it. It's sin. It's sin. And it's sin of, of looking at somebody's skin color and creating acts against them or thoughts against them because of it. But it's, it's sin. And it's individual sin. This isn't something woven into the fabric of society. And especially now. Right. So 70 years ago, 80 years ago, there were laws in the books that separated people at drinking fountains, that separated people sure. in certain restaurants and things like that. Those were law, laws in the books. Those were sinful that those laws were in place. But those laws are all gone now. And this is, this is the struggle that I have when I, when I hear people talk about critical race theory, because I tell people or ask people, name me one law that is anywhere in the books in America that you can find that still has racism in it. Nobody can point that out. They're not there. So this critical race theory is a philosophy that's unfounded, number one, today. And number two, it is a, it's misguided because it is it's trying to explain something without God, and you can't do that. We have to look at this as sin. And, and as I also tell people foundationally, you can try to legislate sin, but we've got all kinds of laws in the books against murder. It doesn't stop people from murdering people. 
we have laws right. that, that uh, are against stealing from others, and yet we still have thefts that occur on a daily basis. So what makes anyone think that any more laws in the books will somehow stop racism, right? Or, or, or mob mentality beating down people. That's not going to do it either. It is, it is literally the gospel being spread and seeing God change minds and hearts to the sin, the sins that they commit. So that's foundational. I'm going to throw one more thing out at you. Going back to the topic of race, where does race come from? The Bible's one blood, one race. The only time we see the word race is in, is, I think it's First Peter, but it talks about a chosen race, a royal priesthood, people who are saved. Right? So God views, his, views people in one of two categories. You're either in the family of Adam from which you were born, or you were saved, right? You're made born again, and you were transferred into the, into the family of God. You were made a child of God, co-heirs of Christ. Those are the only two categories that God uses today in separating people. So where does the idea of race come from? The idea that different colors come from skin. This isn't biblical. One of the tricks you will often hear from people is they will take they will take passages in the Bible that say the word nation or nations and they'll automatically substitute in the word race, acting like these are talking about races. They're not. When we see in the Bible, we see that there's different nations, right? God came down to the Tower of Babel, created different nations. We see in Acts 17.26 that, that there are many nations. He has predetermined boundaries for them. So we have nations in the Bible. We have ethnicities in the Bible. But we don't find the concept of race based on skin tone. Where does it come from? Go back to your biology textbooks. And that's why I asked you earlier if your kids kids go to school in public schools or not. Right. Christian schools, unfortunately, are still teaching this as an idea anyway. Right. So, sure. And so this is where it comes she's from. Learning, she's learning about evolution, too. I mean, and it's all yeah. kind of evolutionary. Yeah. It's, it's First Peter 2.9. Thank you, Andrew. Yeah, it, it's, it's horrific to think about. So go back to – you can find this on, on Google search. If you Google search it okay. – and, and look up different races back in the day, like 1940s, 1950s. There were tons of books out at that time and for years before that talked about different monkeys or different monkey-like creatures that evolved differently, some better than others. You got Caucasoids, Mongoloids, Negroids, and depending on which book, there's either four or five of them. It literally comes from there. And that's not a new thought from the 1940s either. You can trace that back to Darwin, whose title of his book was not just on the origin of species, right? He has a longer title, talks about favored races. So this is, this is an idea that goes back a long time. And this is what we have to understand. This is racism and, and all this junk is a secular viewpoint. It's not, it's not Christian. And, and so I know I got long winded again, <laughs> They're all probably laughing in the background. Unbelievable. That's our starting point is we have to start with the Bible for our kids. So, and let me give you, Christian, another thing tactically to do. Okay. Okay. So where Anthony gave you a a lot of information, I want to give you some information that you can give to your daughter. So when, when these things happen, she has some, some game plans. Okay. Right. One of the things to do is, is just to ask, and here I'm gonna I'm gonna do what Anthony wanted to do there. Ha! Huh. <laughs> just fun to put Anthony in the back backstage. <laughs> but here's here's what you do. You know, ask questions. 
So when they say you're a racist, she can ask, what is the definition of racist? Right. Because they, they don't even know what they're saying with it. They're conditioned to say, yeah. if you believe in Christ, you're racist. So the first question is, right. what is a racist? And if they give a definition, the second question is going to end up being, well, how am I a racist? But what exactly am I doing that fits that definition? Or right. what makes a Christian a racist? What are they doing? You, so you want to get to, it, this is going to help her just being able to, to think clearer but what they're right. doing is a very clear tactic. They want to throw an accusation out, and it gets your daughter and, and others defensive. And they throw their hands up, and it's like, oh, what do I do? And they want to cave it, to the pressure. It does, or it provokes them. Like, I've seen some ugly conversations yeah. with these kids. Yeah, and, and so the way to do it is, and I, I teach this in the evangelism training, if you're, asked, if you're given a, a challenge, someone makes a statement, you ask a question. You don't have to answer their challenge. Right. So you, you, know, you don't have to defend yourself, well, I'm not a racist. The reality is you don't even know what their, what their definition is yet of what a racist is, so you first have to get that. And most often you're going to find they don't have a very clear definition. So what you could do is you can explain what a, a dictionary definition is for racism. And then she can look at a dictionary and say, well, this is what racism is. You're saying it's this right. thing over here. So are you wrong or is the dictionary wrong? Now, granted, right. nowadays they're changing the dictionary to fit. Well, the dictionaries <laughs> are changing pretty rapidly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so that makes it a little bit harder. But the thing to do is first teach her to, to get to asking questions, to okay. getting definitions of terms. Okay? okay. Because one of the problems is going to be is if she's talking to someone that's believing in evolution, you know, you can go into all the stuff like Anthony's explaining, but they're yeah. going to say, so what? Because they, they just don't care. Right. And let your daughter realize that for, for a lot of these people, it's not about thinking, it's about feeling. Right. They're not thinking this through. And that's what questions will do. Questions force them to think about this because now they have to answer. And so if your daughter starts asking questions, it does a couple of things. One, it puts them in the hot seat. They have to give the answer. The second thing, it takes all the pressure off your daughter. She no longer doesn't have to feel defensive. The other thing is it causes them to start thinking. They have to actually think through the answers. The other thing that it ends up doing, which is good, is that it will start to get where they are going to have to not only provide an answer, but they got to provide an answer without changing their thinking. Or what's going to end up happening is they start changing their thinking, which is what you really want. So right. tactically, you know, train her to ask questions. There's a good book uh, Greg Greg Kokel has put out called Tactics. That's really what I he does. That he, one. Yeah. yeah, he just teaches you how to ask questions. That's basically what the whole book's about. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. that that would be a, a tactical thing to do. As far as training up someone that's in middle school, what what you do is you could train them to recognize the fact that, yes, there are some people who use terminology to suppress other people. This is the exact thing CRT is supposed to be about, right, to, to prevent oppression. And so she could ask questions, are you against oppression? And they'll say, yes, why are you oppressing me? Right. They don't think about it that way. They don't realize that. More questions, right? Yeah, it's questions. But what is? But the questions are leading because the, the thing that they don't realize is they're doing the very thing that CRT claims it wants to put a stop to. They're right. oppressing people for not agreeing with what they want, for not be, being in line with them. She can ask questions like, do you believe that we can have differing ideas and still get along? 
Do you believe in tolerance? Mm. Do you do you believe that that we should judge people? Because when they say, "Well, we shouldn't," you shouldn't be judging other people. Well, you're judging me right now when you call me a racist. That's a judgment. Right. You see, these are things in, uh, that you could teach even to a middle schooler that give sure. her a way of you know of moving forward with it. Right. All no, right? that's very helpful because it's just like yeah, we just have to go back to definitions with her, like making sure she has clear definitions of racism, homophobia. Um, but also so that she can ask the right questions back to these people. Yeah. I mean, because we, it's, it's, if they're going to accuse her of homophobia again, yeah. what, it, what does that mean? Oh, so do you think I'm afraid of homosexuals? I'm not afraid of homosexuals. Are you afraid right. of Christians? Are you Christophobic? I mean, she can, she can flip that around because the reality is she could even say by your actions, it's, it seems like the way you're defining homophobia, that if you disagree with it, that it's wrong then wouldn't you be in the same camp by being against Christianity? Don't you believe Christianity is wrong? So then you're Christophobic, right? right? These are some things that, that, again, questions become very good because it what it does is force them to have to think differently. If I'm just throwing jabs at you, I can do that all day. I can throw insults all day long. It does. It's not right. going to change my thinking any. You can throw insults back at me, and guess what? I just think you're a jerk and now I ignore you. And I still feel in my pride that I'm right. Questions right. don't let people off the hook. That's the difference. And it forces them into a conversation. Correct. Which is what these kids are learning to not have. Yeah. Like tolerating each other and um, dealing with uncomfortable ideas, you know. Yeah. So well, me, uh, That was very helpful. I appreciated that. I'm going to bring everyone back in to see. I don't know if, Pastor Justin, if you have anything you'd like to add. Thank you. I, I, I thought that was a very good conversation to have. Okay, know. well, that was enough of you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, think about it. Well, I've got the answers. You ask, and uh, you ask Justin if he has anything to say. Shouldn't you just assume he's got lots of stuff? To oh, say? I know he's always got something always, to say. I always do. I did. I did say Pastor Justin. So I know he's always so, got something to say. <laughs> so, um, uh, Kristen. One thing I'll, I'll add to this is, is my family uh, comes from um, uh, my children were in the in the Christian school environment, and uh, th- one thing that that really struck me as you were talking is that the infiltration of society has overtaken the philosophy and the thinking of what we call Christians, you know, and unfortunately that boils down to. Um, the people that are doing the teaching. And I'm sorry to say that, but that boils down to the teaching. Uh, We brought our children out of even our Christian school because the, the philosophy and the theology was not matching the scripture. And, you know, like, like Andrew was trying to talk to you about, and Anthony was saying, you know, this boils down to a moral argument. Okay. When they're screaming at you about racism, they're they're arguing a moral point, and yet they're using immorality to do it. They're they're attacking, and for Christianity, we we don't have this this uh, persecution mindset, right. right? So our children, unfortunately, are going to be the ones that are going to suffer for this because our churches haven't taught or lived in the wake of persecution. So we have to we're behind. And so as Christians, we have to step up and, and teach that the, the Bible tells us it, you know, it's hard, you know, but it is, it is, it is a, a blessed thing that we undergo the persecution in the same vein as our Lord went through. You know, he went through the greatest persecution, the greatest suffering, the greatest trials and tribulation ever. 
And we get to be in line with that as Christians. And your daughter's in a Christian school. And so she's got friends that want to, uh, they're listening to everything that maybe you're not, maybe your family's not, and they're bringing that into their Christian school. But I do want to say one more thing about a Christian school, because it's going to surprise most people. Um, Usually when public school happens, when public school uh, when they have the troublemakers, they kick them out. And you know where they end up going mm-hmm. to? They end up going to Christian schools because Christian schools will bring them in. They try to help them. They try to take care of them. And um, my son was actually at a Christian school, and there was a kid that came in, and he would just uh, – he, he liked to fight. And he would cuss everybody out and scream and yell at them. And, and my, we went to the, the principals and the teachers and said, we've got a problem here. These guys are getting violent and physical. My son was actually told, well, that's part of your ministry. So you, you're part of this ministry. So you need to actually just suck it up and take, take it. Uh, we left, <laughs> you know, and here's the point. There comes a point in time when as Christians, we might want to separate and pr- to pr- protect our children. And this, this is an idea. And I'm not saying that you're there. You may not be able to, you know, situations like that, but we do need to think about those things uh, for the protection of our children, which is hard. And, and that is hard to deal with. Um, I just want to encourage you and encourage uh, your daughter that as a Christian, we do have answers. You know, like like Andrew right. said, you know, just ask those simple questions of, well, is it, you know, ask a simple question. You know, if I'm being a racist, can you please tell me what does it mean to be a racist? You know, where does that concept come from? Can, can you tell me, I mean, we're in a Christian school. We have a Christian environment here. Is bullying somebody as, as bad as racism? is, you know, being hate-filled and, and, you know, pejorative and all these things that the Bible says not to do? Is that as bad as the racism you're talking about? Is, you know, all of these accusations, what are they doing? And so you you, you need to, when, when we're saying you need to, Andrew and Anthony, if you want to jump in here too, I think that'd be a good idea. When we're saying you need to, it's so easy for, you know, Andrew or Anthony or myself who are constantly being berated by people. We've been seasoned in battle and in fire. You too have, you know, you've had to deal with, you know, people that have disagreed with your theology and your doctrine. You said you came from a reformed background. You definitely have had people in the churches that have disagreed with you. Your daughter doesn't have that so much. You know, the one, one hardship with having children in the, in a Christian home is how easy it is for them to, identify with their friends in the world or friends that are in the church, quote unquote. Right. And so we have to pray for them. We have to love them and cry with them and listen to them and just encourage them. And they're going to stumble. They're going to have a hard time with this because now they've got their friends and their loved ones that they love, they care about, especially your daughter. I've got a daughter who is, uh, she wears all of her emotions right here on her sleeve. Yep. And she loves everybody. She's a social butterfly, right? She can't help it. She is a social butterfly. And she walks around, why don't they like me anymore? Why are they upset at me? Why do they, you know, why are they mad because I'm saying these things about homosexuality? And I have to go to scripture and I have to love them and pray with them and tell them that we're going to be rejected for the name of the Lord's sake, you know? And it's it's hard. Look, trust me. Um, I've, I've had to deal with it so many times. It is hard, you know, to, to take your children through these things. It's not simple. Okay. But in the end, we're looking at the goal is to produce holiness and sanctification so that she can learn how to lovingly teach the truth 
amongst people who are not loving because it's not true that your daughter is homophobic. No. It's not true that your daughter is a racist. Mm-mm. Is it loving for them to say that? No, it's a lie. Yeah. And so we don't accept the lie. Right. We know who we are in Christ. Right. Okay. I, I hope that helps. I, no, that I really helps do. me tremendously. That was um, very profound. And um, yeah, it's hard. It, you know, just the, you know, now that you really kind of hit the nail on the head as far as like, it is hurtful to see her go through that. But I've kind of been coming to grips with the fact of this is the world that yes. they're going to grow up in. And she's going to have to um, physically respond to this. So um, anyway, I thank well, all well, of you guys. Well, one, oh, of the things that I, yeah, one of the things I often tell people too, and you know, so I don't know if you know this or not, I'm, I'm a dentist. I sold my practice years ago for years um, we, you know, my wife and I worked in the practice together. Most of our staff members are Christian, at least in the last several years we practiced. And I was wondering and, and waiting for some point for somebody to walk in and, and be homosexual, trying to set us up, right. Have new, have cameras on right. Right, that kind of thing. And so one thing I trained our staff, I, I really said, Hey, just refer anybody to me. If they ask any questions about Christianity or attack you about anything, just refer them to me. And, but the thing I, I train them on in case they would forget to do this is we want to make sure that we say, look, because when they come to you, when they come to your daughter, they're pointing the finger in the face, right? You're a racist. Why are you a racist? And, and understand critical, critical race theory says that you are, you're a racist and admit it. And if you don't admit it, it's even worse because you're still a racist, but you're now you're not admitting it. Right. That's, that's the, <laughs> that's the conundrum you're in. Right. But, but so from our point, we say, well, you know what? It's not about what I believe first and foremost. What does God say about it? And in, and I, I do this presuppositionally because we go back to Romans 1. Everybody knows God exists. That 13-year-old that's coming up to your daughter knows the God of the Bible exists. That 13-year-old coming up right. to your daughter knows the moral law. It's written on her heart. And the conscience right. rises and bears witness to God. And so we can use God's word to cut to the heart. So I love mixing in what Andrew said, where we take questions and ask them clarifying questions, make them defend their position. But at the same time, we're constantly pointing them back to God. Say, look, this isn't my words. You know, it's this, this is not about me setting the rules. Right. This is what the Bible says. Yes, God says. It's a God that you know exists. You know, I'm sorry. You know, so, no, so I often walk it back that way. And, uh, and when we take the onus off of us, which is where they're trying to put it, and we put it on Almighty God right. where, where it goes, that's who their anger is really directed at. It's not at us. They're, right. they're angry at us because we're representing the one that they hate. Right. That's what it is. And, and as we said earlier, Marxism is an anti-Christian God idea, right? Yeah. That is the whole basis of, of Karl Marx. So, so we have to understand this is an attack on Christians in general. It's why when we look at intersectionality, and I, I love to to crack these jokes when I'm speaking, and um, if you go onto our Apologetics Live site, I did a live stream of this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, actually, I think it was last Wednesday, now that I think about how to answer social issues. And uh, you'll be able to see some of the tactics that, uh, that we okay. can use in talking to people. Okay. Um, that's really helpful. Um, no, that's all very, very helpful. It's just that us parents, we have our work cut out for us, but yes. the Bible never says parenting's easy. So, yeah. Um, One thing to encourage you with is uh, I'm going to put you on our prayer list. 
And uh, if you can, oh, I appreciate maybe, that. Maybe Thank in, you. in private, if you'd let me have your daughter's name, I don't do it in public. In, in private, I'll sure. I'll well, yeah. put her on the list. If you can see the private chat here, uh, or I can always give him her name. Yeah, yeah. But there's you, a private. You can, Andrew. Yeah. yeah. There's a private chat here as well, um, okay. so that you could use. Yeah. But here's anyway. the thing for for parents to realize: um, we, we're raising you. You're raising your daughter in a totally different culture than yes. I raised my daughter. In. It really, it's it's that quick. Yeah. The the things that you you know, you have to parents now have to train their kids how to endure persecution. That's something that, you know, before in Christianity didn't have to be done. I never thought of it that way as more of it. I just saw it as a, just give them the biblical answers, but it is a persecution mindset. And and it came fast too. I mean, as as you see some of these uh, people in government now and and others talking about how we should round up the the never Trumpers and put them in the camps to retrain them. Right. <laughs> Who's next, right? Well, yeah. and that's the thing is, you know, uh, that is the next thing that's coming is, you know, uh, the, the political thing is, is going to shift. You watch. I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, the conservative movement will shift. OK, it will. It'll start moving straight towards a social identity and start compromising because it already has Mitch McConnell, all those guys, they have always been rhinos. And I don't care what anybody says. They've always uh, moved with the tides and they are proving it. Look, let me look at Paul Ryan and all those guys. January showed it. They're not an anomaly. They are not. When you had uh, Graham, Lindsey Graham getting up there crying, Oh, we've got to let him be the, uh, whatever, you know, and it was, I knew it was going to happen, but, but, you know, not trying to get political. My point was, is they're going to shift. We can't. We have to stand on the scripture and learn how to have our children and ourselves live within the confines of what's going on. Billy Cockrell says it's already in New, Ze- New Zealand. I know Billy, Billy really well and the things that he's gone through and, and what he's dealt with. He comes from Texas, moves down here, and now he has to deal with this. What we're talking about right now, they're in it deep. Okay. Yeah. And so he has to, he has to be really careful what he says and everything else because um, he could get in big, big trouble quick. So, know? so the thing though, you know, for, for parents is, you know, we, we need to see that what we're doing now, unfortunately, is we, we have to start, we have to train ourselves as well for persecution because that's what's coming. What's going to happen here before too long when they decide to shut us off from doing yeah. what we're doing right now yep. from the podcast? Because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So, um, so let me let me encourage you with one other thing: is that you should really consider going to the link right down at the bottom there to Israel Tour 2021, and you should join us in Israel. You and your husband and your daughter. I want to. I keep telling my husband, and yes, they. I'm like, come on, let's do it. Well, you do it. Do it quick because there's. I, I think the email I got today says there's only like six spots left. So, hey, do you want to go to Israel? <laughs> no pressure. Do you want to go to Israel? You gotta go. You gotta go. Sorry, I'm sorry. No pressure. She's standing here waiting. Okay. Staring at me. So. No, but it, for, you know, if, if anyone does want to join us, there's we are going to fill up. We're probably going to fill up in the next week or two. So, um, go to IsraelTour2021.com. Uh, Justin Peters, Anthony Silvestro. Justin Pierce, myself, and Pastor David Cunningham will be doing the devotions, um, along with Pastor David Casey. Uh, we'll be doing devotions, so we, it's going to be a good time uh, of 13 days in Israel. So, um, 
So I hope that you do come. <laughs> my my thirteen year old son will be there. So no way. That would yeah. be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate really? all of your time and all of your wonderful answers and your pastoral advice. Well, thank you, and, and thank you. We thank you. You know, I, I'll thank you from from striving for attorney because I know you've been a faithful supporter of ours, and so we appreciate that as well. So well, when COVID's over, hopefully you guys go back to Grace Bible in Redwood City, and then I'll make the trip down. Who's who's well, waiting for COVID, COVID to be over? I'm just waiting for Pastor Pastor, and I haven't been able to sync up. We've oh, I, I'm actually trying okay, to get him. Then. He's he's been out in Pennsylvania, and I'm trying to get him to preach at my church when he comes out this way. So well, well then yeah. you guys have to de- declare that it's essential for us because you know that we can't quarantine and all that. So church is it's essential. essential. <laughs> I I, I was anyway, I was told I don't want to take up. I was told by Phil Johnson, if you listen to the Rap Report podcast, Phil Johnson told us that church is essential. So that's why we're going to Shepherd's Conference. And he told us we don't have to quarantine because church is essential. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you. I want to give you guys time to talk to other people. Yeah, we have some other questions. All three of you. God bless you guys. All right. Thank you very much. And greet your daughter for us. I will. All right. Bye. Um, all right, so let, powerful. Yeah, let me get to, and folks, if you want to help support us, you can go to strivingforternity.org slash support. That is one of many ways you can support us. They'll have a lot of things there, but if you do want to support us, you can always give a super chat, give just a shout out. If there's something you liked what was heard, uh, we will always announce super chats. Um, I know there were some some folks who are in here that had to drop out. I'm thinking of, uh, you know, Phil, GM, and... Uh, and Robert, we're going to try to get to your questions because you guys didn't get back in, but uh, I'm going to add John, the atomic apologist. So, John, you had a question for us. No, more like it's a, it's a rant. Before oh. I get started, though, I just wanted to, at the beginning of the of the uh, show there, you were talking about uh, preaching in a uh, mercy rhyme, so I thought I'd give that a shot. Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. See, it talks about total depravity. But anyways. Uh, <laughs> well, that, that was a good shot. It was good. You know. Okay. I, I have news for you. Stephen Furtick already did that, so he, you, you're you out. <laughs> it wasn't as good as Clifford, trust me. This uh, pastor beats me again, I tell you. Um. <laughs> we, do have, we do have a... a KT KTS question: Any uh, chicken therapy tonight? So, that's no, cool. actually, I already put the chickens all away. So, uh, the, okay, it, it's it's dark right now. So, yep, we had yep, Chick Fil A earlier, and and yeah. and uh, Billy yeah. wants you to know that he's not buying that CD. Okay. Gary <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gary would though. Yeah. So so you got a a quick rant. Uh, okay. I just want to let you uh, let, let the listeners know that what happened is over this past uh, last week. Um, I made a comment on Facebook group uh, somewhere. Um, and it was just kind of a passing and all that. And I noticed that this one woman uh, responded saying, um, "I'm Mormon, and you know, I I love the Book of Matthew or something like that." And so I, I just kind of snarkily said. Uh, you know, uh, Mormons are Christians. And so um, basically uh, that brought on a huge discussion. And, and then I kid you not, this is, okay, just to let you know, this is what Mormons do now. They're not going up to your door anymore, okay, on their little bikes and a white shirt and little name tag and tie. No, what they do now is they're on social media. And the thing is, I, I swear I, I had 
three Mormons contact me through Facebook Messenger. And, you know, and they all had the same script, you know, basically saying, if you have any questions, my name is Booker or I'm Chet. I want to know if uh, you uh, have any questions. I'm, a, I'm an LDS elder, blah, blah, blah. So I started chatting with this one guy, this one kid, uh, Booker, and um, he starts you know, asking, well, we're going back and forth. Okay. And I'm trying to speed, speed this up. I don't want to bore you guys, but anyways. Um, so what happened was I decided to go ahead and create a separate chat room with Booker. And I told him, Hey, bring on one of your other friends, one of your LDS elders there for accountability. That's fine. And I'll bring in some of my friends. So I brought in Andrew and Anthony and, Justin, <laughs> and we had, um, uh, you know, we had all these little kind of back and forth. But basically, Andrew though was really encouraging these guys to come on the show. Please, please and come on the show. Come on the show, guys. Just please, it, it would be nice. And ignore the cat. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of hard to ignore as it as it crawls over your face. Over your face. <laughs> know, but but there was there's an interesting. I wanted to. I was glad you brought it up and that you came in and brought that up because there was something that I noticed in the group chat. That's a tactic that I see them doing. Uh, Anthony, and I have noticed that which of witnesses now they kind of just avoid you once once they realize you understand what they believe, you yeah. understand what true Christianity is. They just turn and say, "Oh, we're just we're not here to to, to to debate. We're we're just here to answer questions." If you have, you know, and I'll say, "But I'm asking you questions," <laughs> and they go, "No, no, no, we we don't want to talk with you. We we just want to have peaceful conversation." Now, what we had with the Mormons is, you saw that they suddenly said once there was disagreement, yeah, it was the contention. that was contention, yeah, and 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 so the, what they're conditioned to do is say, we, "No, that any disagreement that's contention." But if you notice what I did was I said, well, you guys disagreed with us. That's contentious. And here's, here's the thing that I would say with Mormonism. And, and so, you know, I was hoping they would come in. I knew they wouldn't. I, I pretty much knew they wouldn't because these folks never do. But if they end up listening to this, here's the thing. What you end up seeing is they argue that you're contentious, and the purpose of that is to shut you down so that you won't discuss anything that might disagree with what they wish was to be true, what they want to believe. And so they want to just shut it down. But the reality is, when you look at something like Mormonism, for example, Mormonism started because Joseph Smith supposedly got a revelation that all other religions are wrong, and he had to restore true Christianity. Well, what is he doing there? He's being contentious. Their religion is built on contentiousness. They're saying every other religion is wrong. That's contentious. So if they're going to say they're against it, then they got to give up Mormonism. Well, let me ask a question. You just did. Within, I know I did. See, I knew you were going to do See, that. See, but before, before you ask your question, there, there, you know, KT is, is talking here about cat therapy tonight because of the cat. <laughs> but, but wait, but wait, Chris wait. Chris says it's a castroph, catastrophe. I can't even say it. There by, by John. So we got a lot of cat jokes going on. Humble Clay is just saying cat and chicken. Mm. <laughs> oh, and then uh, KT says cats and chickens don't go together too well. So I want to ask, I want to ask this is um, within the Mormon uh, theological construct, are, are we, um, Joseph Smith didn't have uh, a, a bone to pick with any of the other false religions that were out there. His big one was with Christianity 
and any denomination that he interacted with was false in his teaching. Am I right? No, he, he I mean, he had issues with Catholicism. It, you know, it was mostly the branches of Christianity, you're right, that he well, focused that's what I'm on. Saying. Yeah. But, but keep in mind, at that time, there, Islam really wasn't a player in the United States. Yep. Um, you know, you would think, you would think, if you understand Mormon history, they they get the idea that Jesus, after he died on the cross, came to the Americas and and taught the the Indians here. Uh, they also believe that the American Indians were really the lost tribes of Israel. They migrated here through South America, uh, and they were the Mayans and made their way up. Um, real interesting thought with that because genetically. Um, the Mayans were Chinese. We know that because they have a, a Mongolian spot, which is mm-hmm. something that only Asians would have. So, and Mayans have that. Also, uh, when I was down there at the Mayan ruins and we had a Mayan guide and he's using some of the Mayan language and my bride who understands Chinese picked up some of the words because they're Chinese dialect. And so what you end up seeing is that the, the Mayans were from a Chinese, not, you know, Middle Eastern. So, but they, they argue that uh, Joseph Smith came to, to the Americas and, and taught them, you know, taught them the truth. And so it is interesting that he didn't condemn any of the, you know, American Indian rituals in there, which you would think if, if that's what he was going after, especially since he went west where there, there still were some American Indians and tribes, you would think that's where he would, he'd find some of the issues that he's trying to address with this. But he really focused on, on Christianity some. Um, let's try, we're going to try to, John, I'm going to try to get some more people in here. So I'm going to put you mm-hmm. backstage. Um, Nicholas is here, so I'll bring Nicholas up. So Nicholas, you have a, a question for us. You may be muted. Well, I can see that you're muted. I'm just about as smart as Anthony, I guess. <laughs> just kidding. That's, Sorry, I could not help myself. I don't care. <laughs> uh, well, you may be a little smart. You're doing CrossFit, right? Hey, 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 hey! Wait a minute! Don't don't bust on Anthony. He goes to the gym to make phone calls while his wife works out. I was going to say he's not working out. I know what he's doing. He's in there going. He goes. He goes because they have this this uh, uh, this water massager thing that he likes to sit on, and you know, good workout. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Nicholas, what do you have for us tonight? Yeah, so basically this question should be pretty quick, but um, I just wanted to get your thoughts just considering everything that's going on. And it seems like I know a few brothers here locally who are who have been buying into this whole vaccine um, as the mark of the beast thing. Um, so first, that's kind of a two-part question. The first would be, what are your thoughts on this vaccine thing going on right now? And the second would be, um, from my understanding of what I see in Revelation and even in Daniel, um, kind of pointing to that specific uh, spot in Revelation with the false prophet and the Antichrist, to me it looks like there are certain events that need to happen, um, and it's not going to be some secret thing that we're going to just, God's people are going to fall into and accidentally get. So I just wanted to know if I'm accurate. um, Yeah, let me, me, I'll answer that question first. We're going to try to keep Anthony on time with vaccine because he's already done two hours uh, on this, you know, on, oh, on different wow, programs. So <laughs> I linked them. I linked them earlier. Um, well, actually, I linked. The, he has one hour that that 
he has two different episodes. If you go to the Striving Fraternity YouTube channel, they're there. He does have it. I put it in the in the show in the links here that in the comments <clears throat> on the video. So, um, but if you basically, you're right. I mean, the the mark of the beast is not going to be something that people are duped by. You're not going to get right. it thinking that oh oh later I figured out what it was. No, it, people know what this is. This is a way of making payments. You're not going to be able to do any commerce without it, and it's going to involve you know a f- worship to a false god, um, whoever right. you know that <clears throat> this the antichrist is. So no, it, you, this is not the the vaccine is not the mark of the beast. Um, besides no. the fact that you don't get the mark in your forehead or, you know, right hand, um, which is where the mark's going to be. So I don't see them vaccinating in the forehead. I don't know. Maybe, you know, but uh, Anthony, we, we, I'm just going to tell you, we have about eight minutes and I know that he may actually keep to the time because he's got to catch an early morning flight. <laughs> That's true. I told my wife 10 o'clock I'm off. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'll I, believe that when I see it. <laughs> no, actually, I agree with you completely, Andrew. This this is not, look, I hate vaccinations. I hate every one of them. And uh, this one I hate even more. And, uh, but this does not fit the, def- this does not fit, fit the defining characteristics of the mark of the beast. So it's not like it's being tattooed, like Andrew said, in your forehead. This is, yeah, so. All right. So with that is so I saw you muted yourself. So <laughs> so I'm gonna I just want to try to get to one other question. Do you have anything else, Nicholas, or no? Um, no, that's it. Other than um, do I just I just go to your website for the link to donate right on Striving for Eternity? Yeah, you could. the The link is the link to that is just strivingforeternity.org/support. Okay, perfect. No, that'll do it for this week. You know, Lord willing, I'll have another question for next week. All right, thanks. All right, thank you, guys. All right, so um, let's get to the question that Phil had asked earlier. He couldn't. He was having, I think, connection issues and dropped out. Um, the question he had asked is about female deacons. So let me let me see if I can run through this kind of quickly. Uh, and I, I will see whether Pastor Justin and Anthony agree with me. But look, if we look at First Timothy chapter three, we have a layout of pastors and deacons. Okay, we have several qualifications here. So it starts with verse one. This is a trustworthy statement. If a man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work that he desires to do. Okay, verse two is an overseer must be, and there's a list of of things for an overseer, what we call pastor. All right, verse eight, it says deacons. By the way, this, we do have a word in English for this. It is servant, is waiter of tables. And so that's what this would be. We translate it, we transliterate it as deacons because of the fact that by the time they were doing the English Bible, they, the deacons were considered leaders and they didn't want them, they they realized there's a, you can't call them servants if they're leaders. So they create a new English word, we get the word deacon. So <clears throat> deacons likewise must be, now I want you to look at what we end up having, the men of integrity so the, or, or dignity, uh, not double-tongued or addicted to much wine or fond of sordid gain, but holding to the mystery of faith with a clear conscience. Now, what do you notice of all those things? Dignity, double-tongued, addicted to wine, uh, um, not addicted to sordid gain, uh, holding to the mystery of the faith, male or female, that could be true for, okay? So, you then have, as many translations in verse 11 says, women likewise. So, you have you have this, a trustworthy statement 
in verse one, you have the about the overseers. Likewise, deacons. Likewise, women. Now, some translations, uh, I think it's King James, that will say wives. Bad translation. This yes. can mean wives. However, the the term yes. is yes, by the way calls it wives. Say that again. The ESV also yes. says wives. Says wives there too. Okay. Now, here's why it's, I don't think it's a bad translation. When we see this with with wives is always when it's connected with the husband. Here, the argument that some make is that the husband is the deacon, so this is the deacon's wives, um, and they have to have some sort of characteristics to, to... Now, if the deacon's wife is not qualified, does that mean the deacon's not qualified? Well, you'd have to say yes if that's what you're thinking is, but then why don't the overseers, the pastors, why aren't their wives having qualifications? So there, there's a problem there. But as we look at it, <clears throat> you say it says women likewise... I think the women are female deacons, women that are serving as servants. They're not man, they're, they're not leaders. So this isn't a problem with what was just said in the ending of First Timothy chapter 2 about women not having authority. They're servants. So like the women likewise should be dignified, not malicious gossips, temperate, faithful in all things. Now I want you to notice what happens in the, in the text here. Verse 12 goes back to deacons deacons must be. Now, look at the list here, where the list that we see of the deacons, starting in verse 8, 9, and 10, it could be for male or female, 11 is some things specific for these females, then you have verse 12, and it says, deacons must be husbands of, of one wife, good managers of their children, of their household, Okay, these are things that are only true of the men. So now you have things that it goes back to the men. So you have some some of these attributes that should be or characteristics that should be for both male and female, just the women and just the men. So I think what you have here is a case that you have male deacons and female deacons, and both of them are servants under the headship or under the, the leadership, under the authority of a pastor. And so what you end up seeing and and uh, clergy talk is saying, uh, didn't the first century have female deacons and servants of the Lord? We're not sure, but many people think that when you see, uh, you know, Apollos, uh, Priscilla and Aquila, that they might have been male and female deacons. I, we don't know that for sure. So, so essentially, to answer the question, female deacons, I think, are okay with a caveat. And here's the caveat. Some churches, their deacons are leaders, yep. and so they're not serving as deacons, they're serving as leaders. And because of that, in those scenarios, if you're in a church where the deacons are leaders, I would say no. no. What you should do is correct the role of deacon. They're servants. They take care of the day-to-day stuff, and then in that case, having a female deacon, I think, is fine. But they shouldn't have a leadership role. Amen. So. I, I, no. I actually take a position. I don't think women should be deacons. I, I, I think this is a, a, an addendum into this that I think that it talks about women that are serving in the church, but I don't think so. I think that they can function the same way as a deacon does without the title. That's well, and that, but the thing is, the thing you're looking at too, though, is is that you also have, as Andrew said, we have a narrative in our Christian culture where a deacon is a church leader 
but the Bible doesn't maintain that. The church leadership is an elder, elder-led elder leadership. They are the elders. It's not just one pastor who is an elder. It's the elders plural, and there's a plurality of elders. Nobody is the one dominator of the group. And the servants, the, I mean, think about it. The The deacon motif is that they are the chief of the of the cheerleading squad. In other words, their role is to serve and encourage everyone else to stir one another up to love and good works. They're to, to, to be the one that holds to the doctrine of the church of the word of God. And, and they are, they are firm in it. And they're the, the men are, are, are when we say leading, it's the person that's running the fastest to pick up, uh, the chairs. The person is running the fastest to encourage everybody. How can we help others? It's it's they're not leading in the sense of you're going to do this. They're the ones that are running out there constantly to do the work, and that's what he's ta- you know, talking about. That's a spiritual. Uh, it's a spiritual issue of sanctification, uh, and that's why you have all these different qualifications separated from um, from the pastor down to the to the uh, to the the deacon, and then to the deaconess, as John MacArthur says. Yeah, and I mean. You know, I think the thing is, is we have to recognize two things. One, uh, Humble Clay is saying he misses Anthony time. Well, if Anthony hadn't disagreed with us, we wouldn't have gone over time. So Anthony was here over 10 o'clock because he disagreed. So for the record, folks, he didn't end right at 10 o'clock. Why? Because he extended it because we had to discuss more. We tried. We tried. And so... You know, we're on Anthony time. We're um, on Anthony's time now. So here, here's the thing. And let me explain that for I, folks. Anthony time is whenever we go long, because when Anthony would host the shows, they always went over the two-hour mark. Um, I went to 159.10. So yeah. I just want to make that so, clear. So the thing is that, you know, just to wrap this up, with with the, the deacons, we have to understand that in the first century, they weren't as hung up on titles as we are in, yep. in stuff. So they wouldn't have had, I think, the titles for, the, you know, the, the title is just the women. The women are servants, just like the men are servants. And yep. I don't know how much the men were trying to make an issue um, of, of you know, trying to say, well, this is something different. This is a special title. That, you know, I don't know that that was the case. So we have to look at the culture and say, you know, would they have called them deaconesses? Um, we don't know. And, and there seems to be some early, early church documents that seem to indicate maybe that there were, that title was used. But, um, you know, it's a thing where if a church doesn't have female deacons, um, it's not in sin. I think if women, if you have a church that has female deacons and they're not leadership, I don't think it's a sin. Um, but if they're given a title, where it's they're kind of put you know a special status you know that could be a, a problem for for anyone so uh, with that I'm, we're gonna we're gonna sign out um, again folks if if you want to uh, help support us just go to strivingforeternity.org slash support this is a ministry of striving fraternity we do need support uh, COVID has been a rough year we have not been able to travel um, if you would like to have us come out to your church. Do some of our seminars. Uh, go to strivingforeternity.org. Go under the about and schedule a speaker. You'll see some topics we speak on. You'll see some of the, the, um, Anthony loves all the comments. We like Anthony time. <laughs> so everyone likes a longer program. <laughs> so the, the thing is, was that we, we do need, uh, to know if you want us to come out to your church and do some of our seminars. Anthony and I will be doing a Bible Interpretation Made Easy seminar this weekend in Indiana, um, but we just recently were down in Florida doing our, our social justice seminar, and 
we're going to be in Florida in, in a couple of months in May. We're going to be doing our Snatched Them from the Flames, a discernment seminar. We have other seminars, uh, you know, apologetics, evangelism, uh, creation science, a lot of different seminars. We can come into your church and be able to come in and teach your folks. And you, some people go, well, you don't know how small our church is. We have a really small church. Yes, those are the churches we target at Striving for Eternity. We, we try to do that because we want to get the churches that are, that can't afford to have people that are you know, the big name speakers where it's going to cost lots of money. This is where we need monthly support. Those of you who support us monthly, you allow us to go into a church like we're doing this weekend. That We're going to be doing a seminar, and we're going to do it as if there was hundreds of people there, and there's probably going to be less than 15 people, and we don't care. We're going to come out anyway to that church to help that local church, to equip that church so that they can be equipped, they, they could grow, and that they would be able to serve Christ more. That's what monthly support at Striving for Eternity helps with. If you have a small church and you think we're, it's too small, we can never have one of these seminars in our church, go to strivingforeternity.org, go to the, the, the page to, under About, and then Schedule a Speaker, and if it fits within our schedule, we'll come to see you. So that's just uh, something for you to consider, but we, we do appreciate it. If, if you find value in these, this program or any of the things that we do at Striving for Eternity, please consider helping to keep us going. Um, it, it is difficult to do this. If you have any questions, you want to contact us, the, in, the email is info at strivingforeternity.org, info at strivingforeternity.org. Until next week, prepare your questions to challenge us because that's what we're here for. And leave us a review at lovethepodcast.com slash apologetics live. See you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.